It is the morning of Friday, the 9th of September in the year of our Lord 2022. This is Tony Coe welcoming you, dear listener, to this special bonus episode of our Re-Educating Dad podcast series, which had come to an end. But last night, after hearing the momentous news at 6.30pm that the Queen had died yesterday afternoon, we decided to record this special bonus episode. And when I say we, I of course speak of my co-host, Tony Cobrooker, my lovely daughter, who's with us here drinking a lovely cup of coffee. For those of you who are watching the video can see. How are you feeling this morning, little Tone? Sleepy, because you made me get up early. <laughs> well, we but really, yeah, we really had to get this out because it's you know this is a this is big this is big stuff. So, uh, why are we doing this? I mean, we'd put our podcast to bed. It had sort of run its uh, natural course, uh, a cross generational podcast where we looked at all kinds of issues uh, from our different perspectives, our different from our different perspectives on the continuum of the generational gap um me and you know me and my sort of latter 60s uh, you in your mm, 30s um you. <laughs> you know obviously obviously we look at things differently and that came out in in a lot of our discussions some of them got fairly fruity uh, but i think that you did succeed in re-educating this dad um, and to a certain extent maybe I succeeded in doing some re-education in the other direction but I think we came closer over the course of our 80 episode uh, series and that was a great thing something I love it's lovely to be back with you little turn doing this again I'm, I feel very at home here um, and feel very comfortable discussing things with you so uh, I think the first thing to ask you, uh, I, you know, I, I have my own feelings, cards on the table. I am not uh, in favor of the institution of the monarchy. Um, and that has been my position for a very long period of time. This is not the time, I don't think, to dwell into, you know, that particular topic per se. Um, but, you know, I do, in spite of my anti-monarchist leanings uh, I do have fond feelings towards our Queen um, she has been a constant in my life uh, from the day I was born uh, she came to the throne in 1952 um, I was born in 1956 um, I've never known a world without the queen in it um and uh, in in a, in a way i do feel this morning and i did feel last night a sense of sadness and a sense of loss um as though in some way i had lost a, some somebody who was important in my life in some sense um even though you know i i I just don't get the the institution of the monarchy. I I realize that I'm very much in a minority in our country, but I don't understand why we venerate this institution. That said, uh, I want to hear, because obviously there's a huge generation gap between us two, and I would like to hear what you and 
what you feel about it and what you what your peers feel about what's happened little tone well it's i think it's hard not to say the not to talk about the bit that you said that you don't think we should talk about because that is one of the reasons why lots of people are having very harsh reactions to her dying right um my experience is that a lot of younger people or lefty people people that i mix in circles with are saying quite unkind things about the queen's death and i think it's because of their feelings towards the monarchy um i've got really mixed feelings about her death i don't ne i don't necessarily feel anything because from my perspective she's a 96 year old woman you know good innings she's she's had a good life and um you know it's it would be normal for a 96 year old person to die um and i feel like the tradition wrapped around it like the um media mourning period which is a contractual thing for, for instance the bbc has a contractual mourning period is a bit ridiculous so can you explain um, that can you just unpack that a little bit what because i've never heard of that what does that mean so the the bbc uh has a um a clause i'm not sure if you call it a clause uh, something in their contract that says that they need to have a media mourning period um and i don't want to pretend that i know much about that other than i think that they all have to wear black um they're not allowed to show any kind of comedy over the coming week um the end central london um entertainment going out industry whatever you'd like to call it um have been told have been suggested that they close for a week as part of the mourning period uh with, to allow for mourners to come and be be in the city and give their respect to the queen or the queen's family um and i think that's ridiculous you know 96 year old woman died and businesses are about to go through a massive energy hike in October and you want to take a week's worth of business away from them. It's not mandated, it's suggested. So I think that most businesses will stay open. Um, I, I love history. I love tradition. I love rituals. But the so naturally i i like parts of the idea of the monarchy i like the idea of having a queen but the rational side of my head is like this does not serve the people anymore this is a, this is a medieval thing and also having had more of a light sh um, shined on the dynamics within the family it just feels so odd to me so I haven't known anything other than having a queen and I think this is uncharted territory and we now have a king, which is weird. Um, but I can't really say that I feel sad. I think that this is the way of life. Well, yeah, and I, 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 I totally get, I totally get what you're saying there. Uh, actually what you just said about that's odd having a king. Yes. Uh, I was chatting with, uh, your um, eldest sister Tracy on on the phone on, on video like uh, we are doing now uh, yesterday evening and 
as we were chat as we were ch chatting together this uh, bbc alert came up ping and i looked at it as i tend to do straight away and it it said the queen had died and i wasn't uh, wow i wasn't expecting that that was uh, 6 30 yesterday evening and uh, and then hard on the heels of that within a minute or two came another ping bbc alert uh his his majesty the king said and i thought wow i mean that just sort of floored me for a moment i i haven't heard those Weird, words no. you know we're gonna to have to get used to that you know god save well, there was no the queen the king also, See, even then i slipped up because i'm so used to saying god save the queen or so used to I hearing think that it you're you're kind of like in my mind i thought that there would be some kind of crowning process of the king before he was referred to as the king but actually in all of the movies, what happens is someone dies and then everyone that's around the king or queen at the time gets down on a knee and goes, God save the king or queen to the next person. So actually that is, I guess, well, those are movies, but I guess that is the process for when. Oh, I think it's, dies. I think it's dead like that. I think, you know, I think you, I think you think you're dead spot on that actually what happens is the immediate pronouncement on the death is the queen is dead. Long live the king. It happens just like that. Yeah, which feels um, weird. It does feel weird. I mean, in a, in a sense, it's sort of devoid of humanity, isn't it? It's just like, right, let's get on with this. <laughs> she, yeah. She's gone. Next. Next. <laughs> um, and for something that's so, like, fueled by ritual, which it is in the monarchy, you know, even the fact that she, she would go to, what was it called, Ballery Castle? Balmory Castle? Balmoral, Balmoral, which, Balmoral, is, which, which is really Balmoral. her country estate, um, which she loved, by the way, so it was a good place for her to go. But what I mean is, is that even the ritual of going there every summer, even though she was technically not really well enough to go there, the ritual of going every year was something that she did, you know, and she was a person of tradition. Um, and it feels very strange to have something like the monarchy, which is so laden with tradition, and there to be no kind of like process of crowning like a new person. It's just kind of like, oh, by the way, you're the king. Here's your crown. Well, there, there will be a coronation. Yeah, but it just feels it feels strange to suddenly announce that he's the king. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it, 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 well, it felt very it felt very odd hearing those words, and also sort of re recognizing that although it's a hereditary thing and it's sort of all you know, there is a line of succession and so on her right ascending to the throne was really a happenstance because are you probably aware of this i don't know but um she only became the presumptive heir because of edward's abduction uh, abduction edward <laughs> edward's uh king edward's abdication you'll remember that um, king edward abdicated uh, because yeah. he wanted to marry a divorcee, Mrs. Simpson, an American woman, Mrs. Simpson. Um, the trouble these Americans cause. Um, and uh, <laughs> as a result of that, she she was the you know she was the next in line when her when her father, King um, George, was it, uh, died. Uh, so you know that she wasn't expecting it, but her I think her words I I read were. When she heard that news, she said, "I'll be good." It sounded a very modern sort of for those for those times. It sounded a sort of very modernism to use a phrase like "I'll be good." 
Um, but, you know, I think that, uh, I think that she, you know, whilst we both really don't, don't agree with the institution of the monarchy, I don't think we could have had a better monarch. Um, I can't possibly respond to that because I don't know any different. Well, if you if you think, I mean, one of one of the re one of the reasons I object, one of the reasons I object and don't understand the way the monarchy is an adored institution, is that it comes from a place of oppression of the people. Yeah. yeah. Um, so re very recently, as you know, uh, Kiki and I went up to London. We now live in in a little village called Elmley Castle, which actually has a connection to uh, the royal family, which I might mention in a minute if I remember. Uh, well, we went up to London for the first time, having moved to the country, in order to see the um, ABBA Voyage show. Fantastic, by the way. And we were staying uh, in in uh, the uh, hotel Shanghai. Shangri-La, is it? Shangri-La, not Shanghai. Shangri-La, <laughs> which is in the Shard, obviously, that huge building on the River Thames. And right opposite our fantastic view, the best view I've ever had in a hotel room ever, anywhere in the world, facing St. Paul's Cathedral. Right opposite us was the Tower of London. And I looked down at the Tower of London. First of all, it was it was a little bit funny, really, because the Tower of London looked so puny. <laughs> now, I mean, it must have been terrifying at the time that it was constructed, because mm. of it, it was so big and um, you know overbearing. But now it, it now it now it looks like a little dwarf on the sides of the Thames because of all these huge buildings around it. But I looked down at it and I thought. You know, I mean, it's a it's a place of such horror and violence. And I thought a little bit about the history of this place, and of course, it was built by William the Conqueror. Actually, here's a connection to you, because of course, I'm broadcasting this podcast from Elmley Castle. You're broadcasting it from Hastings, where the famous battle was in 1066. 1066 country, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I thought about the history, and I, you know. William the Conqueror, when he, you know, after he won that battle, um, and I mean, terrible violence, absolutely terrible violence was inflicted by the Normans on the Anglo-Saxons. And uh, one of the things that he did was build that tower because he wanted to build something that struck fear into the populace. As, as a means of helping uh, him, you know, hold on to his power. That was the way fear was a huge tool in that. And that, that you know, and in fact, he took, I think he took refuge in there when, when in the time of the, um, you know, uprising, uh, as many subsequent monarchs did. Um, and then you sort of think about the Tower of London and the beheading by Henry VIII of um, you know his wives in there, and you know how their heads were chopped off and unceremoniously buried and without any ceremony and all that sort of thing. And you think all of that, of course, is about striking fear and uh, ruling through by fiat. 
And uh, that's why just, you know, although the, the, that's what I mean, really. I think we, in the Queen, we had somebody who was completely different from all that. I mean, she, you can't really look at her as not being someone who exuded love and, and created uh, in affection in her people. But th that was quite a departure, really, from what had come before her. So if you, I don't know if you've seen the musical Hamilton. I haven't, no. Well, there's a, there's a wonderful thing, and you can see it on YouTube, but there is a wonderful uh, parody in there of the, the, the King um, uh, George, I think that was George as well, King George I, I think it was, uh, the king who was the king at the time of the uh, Americans' war, our war with America and their battle for independence. And he sings this song about how he's going to show his love to the American people by sending a thousand battalions of men to show you, to remind you of my love, you know. And uh, that's the kind of, that's the history of the monarchy. The monarchy is all about oppression and taking money from people, living off other people. Of course, in France, they just got rid of them. They got fed up with it. They got rid of them and chopped off their you know, used the guillotine, chopped off their heads and and decided that they weren't going to put up with it. And that was the end of it. Here, of course, we didn't. And uh, I mean, there's a rich history to why all that was. And uh, and it's an interesting history. But uh, I just, I really just don't get it. But I do appreciate, I do appreciate uh, why the Queen uh, is so loved, because I do think that she conducted herself in an exemplary way and didn't and, and never sort of lauded it over people um i'll shut up for a moment and let you have your say i mean i think it's easy to say nice things about someone when someone's died um i think there are also quite a few questionable things that she did um not that i feel like it's really appropriate to talk about now but i don't think that I think, yeah, I think it's easy when someone dies to just focus on the good stuff. Um, but, you know, there's a mixture of things in there always. Um, well, yeah, I think I, I think know, I can I guess I, I think I can guess some of the things that you might you might have in your mind and I won't dwell on them either. But um, but what I would say about that is that she had to conform to the institution the institution is more powerful than the person no definitely and i agree with that and i uh, sorry to interrupt you no i do i do think that re she had very little power or say in any anything and i think that you're right i think that all of that aside she always displayed Oh, what's the word that they keep saying about her? They keep saying one word about her specifically. I want to say compliant, but that's not the word I mean. Like she was very dutiful, composed, dutiful, composed, and consistent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, she was. No, no big displays of uh, rage or emotion in any kind of way. Um, uh, fiercely loyal to her family, against and to the, and, and to the country. Yeah, fiercely loyal is probably the right word. 
But, but maybe, yeah. maybe when she shouldn't even have been. Excuse I mean, me, Mishkies. This sounds reminds me of her corgis. Um, this remind this um, makes me th think of something which may sound a little bit unkind, and I I don't mean it to be, but but she really was didn't have any charisma. I mean, she you know it's it's not, she isn't somebody that you really would want to pay, for instance, to 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 listen to her public speaking. I mean, you know, everything was read. And, and I think that that is. Uh, I don't that, think that's her, though. I think that's just her, like you said, conforming. I yes, don't want to pretend uh, like uh, she didn't have a person. But she she never feelings. really went. She never really. And I, I mean, she probably obviously did in conversations, in private conversations. But in her public addresses, she never went off a script ever that I that I ever ever saw. And I remember as a small boy just thinking, this woman is so boring um and and but uh, if you yeah. think about it like um I, I it's difficult to not refer to the drama of the crown you know the the series yeah um but you know she wasn't really brought up to go to school in the same way that we were she was brought up she was taught about how to be a royal and so exactly all she's done all of her life is conform to what she was taught like that she has this greater purpose isn't the whole thing with the king and queen that they've been ordained by god or whatever they've got their purpose is to just fulfill their duties um and, I, and i'm sure that she had thoughts and feelings and and stuff that were very very well hidden um i don't know i i feel the, the thing i feel saddest about is that she didn't get to live her life the ways that she might have wanted to. I, I totally agree with you. You, you mentioned, uh, you make a good point about being considered to have been ordained by God. Of course, she was the head of the church. Um, and that's, of course, another thing that I completely don't get. I mean, you know, I, I don't understand how people... Uh, uh, well, we're not religious are we? we're not we're not religious but i just don't it's another thing i just don't get i don't understand it's it's such a preposterous you know the whole story of jesus god sending his son down to sacrifice himself un, unto himself for in order to save us from i don't know what i mean it it, it, it it's just a preposterous absurd story and i don't get that don't either. say that don't say that because we don't believe in it but it's not preposterous to other people I don't want to offend any listeners. Like, if that's your religion, that's absolutely fine. Respect. Full oh, respect. Well, yeah. But, well I, yeah, but I mean, I still have the right to say if I regard it as preposterous. I do. I mean, no, I think, I, I you, think the I story is... I just don't is... think you should use words like preposterous about something, someone's belief system, personally. Uh, I, I think that it's strange to me to know the story that Henry VIII created the Church of England so that he could divorce his wife... Mm -hmm. And it be yeah. su still be such a massive thing today. Like oh, we know exactly. that's the reason why the Church of England exists. Exactly. And yet people still follow it so wholeheartedly. And that wasn't even that long ago, you know. But I would never call it preposterous. Well, then you're just a nicer person than me. That's all that means. <laughs> I'm quite sure that if you met a... Uh, or if, if somebody explained to you the story behind the, for instance, the Mormon religion, which is even more preposterous, 
um, or, or let's say the one that Tom Cruise, what's the Tom Cruise one where they believe that they were... The science, Scientology, yeah, is it? The Scientology and all the aliens and, I mean... Well, I, I watched a series about the fundamentalists the other day and that, that really affected me for probably like a couple of weeks. What fund, which um, fundamentalists are we talking about? There are so many. Fundamentalist Christians, sorry. Uh, oh, okay. In Ohio. Yeah. And basically their, their whole duty was to have as many wives and children as they could. Yeah. Um, it was, it was evil. What, what? How could you that. call someone's belief system evil? You've got to respect it. Because they raped children. Oh, well, you've got to respect if that's their belief. But, you know. According to your doctrine. For, for me, I can respect someone's belief system until it becomes illegal. Preposterous. <laughs> <laughs> well, illegal, yes, but also work. preposterous. Come on. I mean, you could, if somebody t tells you something which, you know, let's say they they say that they've got, a, you know, a dinosaur buried in their garden and it's God to them, you're not going to... I think that, well, to me, that's how I feel about religion. You know, it's not yeah. that far removed, but I think that... I think that until it harms someone, I think it's fine. I let's talk. Let's just talk in, in the few minutes that we've got left because we're rapidly sort of approaching our 30 minute cutoff. Uh, let, let's just talk about the next stage because obviously now we have King Charles III. He may not choose to keep that name, um, but that's who he is at the moment. King Charles III. Uh, how do you see what this is a big change isn't it uh do, do you see the affection and outpouring of love for um elizabeth ii do you see that being transferred to charles i don't really feel like people are that fond of charles because of his behavior with diana yeah and i and i feel the same way to be honest i don't think that he came across as being particularly nice to her and he had an affair with Camilla the whole time. Hmm. Um, so I definitely don't feel warmly then, towards him. But then to be fair, um, I know what you mean, but to be fair, he also was a slave to the institution and of course was always in love. As I understand it, he was always in love with Camilla and it was, he was rather nudged in the direction of the ideal Totally. Wife. And that is horrible. That is horrible, but he he seems to have been pretty unkind to Diana, mm. um, and I don't know if that's true, but that's did, what I think has been portrayed. Around that sort of time, by the way, I did get a letter from him, uh, which I really should have kept because now I say that I had a letter from the king uh, because I was writing to him in relation to my struggle, you know, to stay in your life and your sister's lives and uh, I, I got I got this letter back from him and I'm sure that it was written by you know some aide or whatever but it was it was a letter that I regarded as from somebody who understood so I, I think that there was a lot going on there that perhaps why wouldn't you keep that I know I know um, maybe I've got it somewhere but I'd uh, you know I, I just I, I it was a part of it was a, it was a chapter that I really wanted to to, get, to yeah. put behind me and I I didn't really want to keep those any papers really associated with the whole uh, family law thing but I did feel that uh, he probably had stuff going on and he, he again you know at the end of the day he's just a human being a father 
um, who lo loved his children, and it was, you know, I, I did it did uh, strike a chord with me at the time. However, Harry, Harry didn't get there for the for the death either. No, well, I think only only Charles and Princess Anne were there at the time of the death. But I did want to see, say just one other thing um, with regard, you know, since you mentioned Diana, which is a very important thing to mention. Um, uh, and that is that one thing that I have noted very much about the last few hours is the contrast between what happened when she, when she died uh, and now, even though there is so much love for the Queen, I had more emails in the hours after the announcement of her death than I have ever received in, in, a, in a short space of time. Nearly all of them from America, <laughs> but just tons and tons of messages and emails. And of course, I just remember so well the, the, the scene in Gloucester Road, Kensington, as people were pouring up to the palace, the Kensington Palace, in order to, there was a mountain of flowers, an absolute mountain of flowers. Well, I was with you when she and you when yes. she had her funeral, and we went up to the gate and we took yeah. flowers. Indeed, we did. Um, yeah, I, I will never forget that. I will no, and I won't never either. Forget that memory. And I won't either. And oh. uh, and in in and of course that was a dark chapter in the Queen Queen's life because um, in the Queen's era because you know she she didn't say anything for a long period of time and it was very very telling. I suspect strongly that that wasn't so much her as her advisors, she, her towing the line as she always did. But mm. I, but as I sort of reflect on that now, I, I think there is a there is a huge contrast there, and I think that contrast will be referred to um, as people, as the media particularly, reflect on what's going on at the moment. Anyway, any last words from you? Oh, there's the dog. Uh, any last words? No, from... it's not. It's the pussycat. Oh, it's the pussycat. Oh, God, it's a huge <laughs> pussycat. Any last words from you before we wrap this up? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to anyone that's feeling very sad today. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is uncharted water. Very interesting to find out what's going to happen next. Absolutely. Well, I do. I love chatting with you and doing this um, bonus special episode with you, I had thought that our Facebook page for Re-Educating Dad had been taken down, but I saw this morning that it uh, had not been. So we'll leave that up for a bit longer um, for any comments and feedback. We'd love to hear, you know, we've got, we know we've got uh, loyal listeners and many of whom have said how sad it is that we've stopped doing these episodes. Um, thank you for those, those kind words. Uh, but if you've got feelings, uh, any feedback about this, you know, we love to read your feedback and to get your feedback. Uh, we'll be watching out for that. Love to hear what you've got to say. We've got listeners from all over the world who will have views on this. I know. What are we doing going forward? Well, I'm actually, um, I'm, I'm actually thinking about a new podcast series at the moment. I'm not going to say anything about that now except that i am thinking about something and i will be doing something i will certainly um be um, inviting little tone on as a guest um uh, to, to whatever you know whatever podcast i do i think it's going to be an interesting one and i you know if you're we we've if you if you happen to be listening to this for the first time the re-educating dad podcast we're leaving that up on uh, spotify anchor 
and other platforms. There are 80 episodes with this one. It'll be 81 episodes. You can uh, listen to our the journey, what led to us starting that that Reeducating Dad podcast and uh, with the many topics that we, we talked about um, over that time. Uh, you can listen to that. I also have um, a podcast uh, that related to my business, um, which is called People and Property, uh, which uh, which you can also find on uh, Spotify Anchor and other uh, podcast platforms. So, uh, if you'd like to hear more of more of me, um, more then, of me, more of me. <laughs> uh, I don't know what have you do. Have you got any podcasting uh, plans or anything? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. But you're going to be uh, performing some music, aren't you? No. <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, no, I mean, I've got my I've got my business going on on the side, Dark Mother Management, where I've got uh, three artists that I'm working with, um, and that's going really well. But aside from my campaigning with uh, Music Venue Trust, I am trying to enjoy a much more peaceful life these okay. days. Okay. Oh well, actually, that's that chimes very nicely with my podcast idea. So you will be an early guest who I will be interviewing certainly if you're up for that. So uh, for now, uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, we, as I say, we love hearing from you. Do keep the messages coming and uh, we'll see you somewhere sometime, somehow. Bye for now. Bye from me. And bye from me. Bye all. <laughs> <laughs>